Have you heard about or maybe even used story listening in your classroom? Now, I wanted to learn more about this interpretive listening procedure and how it can be used along with interpretive reading. So in this episode, Margarita Perez Garcia, a Spanish and French teacher and author in Australia, joins me to talk through all the details of story listening. Now, maybe you have the flexibility and autonomy to go all in with this methodology in your classroom, but if not, Margarita shares how you can use story listening along with other procedures. So let's jump in. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello, my friends. Bonjour, mes amis. Hola, mis amigos. Welcome to the World Language Classroom Podcast. I am Joshua Cabral, and thank you, as always, for taking the time out of your week to listen to a podcast about language teaching. Makes you an incredible educator. So whatever you're doing right now, I'm sure you're not sitting in your classroom in front of students, which means you're finding time outside of that to listen to teachers talk about language teaching. That's an incredible thing that you're doing. So today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about this idea of story listening in our language classroom. Now, this may be terminology that you're very familiar with, that you've heard about. It may be something that's new to you. And if that's the case, I have the perfect guest to be talking to us about this today. And this is Margarita Perez Garcia. And she has quite the story. She is a Spanish, French and English teacher taught all of those languages throughout the last couple of decades. She is originally from Venezuela, but she left about 34 years ago, and she has been teaching in Spain and France and the UK, in New Zealand, and now she is in Australia. She's also an author. She writes accessible novels, stories for students to read. She primarily writes in Spanish. She also is trying to focus more on students with learning disabilities. And that is a incredible thing for a language teacher to be taking on because I think a lot of our resources don't necessarily do that. So to have that lens and that eye on all learners is quite impressive. And I am so incredibly happy to have you here today. So welcome, Margarita Perez Garcia, to the World Language Classroom podcast. Thank you, Joshua. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here sharing all about story listening in school settings. Excellent. So I tried my best to, in a minute and a half, say everything that we should know about you, but there's always something that maybe falls through the cracks. Is there anything else you'd like to add in about your teaching experience that would help us to understand you a little more? Perhaps that I am a comprehension-based communicative teacher and an independent author of language learner literature. I have adapted the easy-to-read European standard to make books really accessible for students with learning difficulty. Thank you for sharing that. So let's start to talk about this idea of story listening. And first off, 
Can you give us a concise understanding of what story listening is? Story listening is a pure input processing method created by Dr. Benico Mason and built on crashing comprehensible input hypothesis that says that Comprehensible input is the cause of acquisition, and this is really important. Comprehensible input alone is sufficient. So story listen is a method, is an extreme version of the comprehensible hypothesis in which the teacher provides lots of comprehensible input in a twofold intervention. If what Stephen Krashen says is true, if his hypothesis is true, and students only need abundant amount of comprehensible input to acquire the language over time, using a method that provides me exactly that will have tremendous positive impact in language acquisition. Dr. Benico Mason, the creator of the method, says that in a year, of intervention, so 100 hours of listening to stories, students can acquire 1,200 words. When I heard that claim, I was surprised. Normally, using traditional methods, even using TPRS, it would take me easily two to three years to reach, given that the threshold 2,000 to 2,005 words is the B2 level. Mm -hmm. is an intermediate high. So when one teacher comes in front of me and says, hey, your students can acquire more words, more language in the same amount of time as a teacher, I want to try this. Also, when someone says to me, this method is an ideal bridge to reading because you will expose the students to the words, to the right pronunciation of the words, to the meaning of the words before reading, so that when they get to the reading, they are not deciphering. They are not plowing through the text. And I say, ah, then I want to try this. Mm -hmm. So the method has a real potential and a positive impact in the reading ability and the growing of the vocabulary. So you either, as a teacher, use it in part for the listening component and the reading in your classroom, and you use it well, or you jump and use it in full. On one side, the students listen to stories And the other half of the intervention is what is called GSSR. GSSR stands for Guided Self-Selected Reading. So in the intervention, in a typical year for a beginner student, the students listen to 6,000 minutes of stories, 100 hours of stories, that's a lot of input, and read about 300 graded readers. They don't do anything else. There is no pre, during, and post activities of any kind. And they do this in an environment where there is no accountability of immediate mastery. That's what you're referring to when you say that it was an extreme version of comprehensible input. Yes, because if input alone... When I heard this the first time, I was quite surprised myself. And I thought, 
hmm, I need to try this. The idea is that input alone is sufficient for language acquisition, and the language is then gradually developed over time, unconsciously. So the job of the teacher is just to provide lots of input. A student is processing input either through listening or through reading. Story listening is half of one language acquisition approach. The story listening part is where the students listen to stories that are comprehensible. The other part is guided, self-selected reading, and therefore the students read on their own. There is no teacher intervention while they are reading, but there can be, and they must be, a reading intervention to guide the students to select what they are going to read on their own really easy to put in place that you can, as a teacher, you can, as a teacher, use in full or in part to complement the teaching approaches you are already using. Because nobody denies in the research or from a research point of view or, or a practitioner point of view, nobody denies that listening and reading the, the target language is crucial mm-hmm. for language acquisition, so, right? So starting from that standing point, you could use story listening in part in any of your lessons. So you're using the story listening as a pre-reading activity. They're reading the same story and they're seeing everything in context after. You are listening and you are reading. It mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that you are listening and reading then the same story. You can do that. But you could very well listen to something at your level of proficiency and read other things that use the same vocabulary and at a level mm-hmm. of proficiency. Mm-hmm. Personally, my students listen to what they are going to read afterwards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They always read the story they listen to. On top of what they read in their free reading time. So when we talk about comprehension aiding supplementation, CAS, now we have another acronym. So these are ways of helping students, supporting students with their comprehension. CAS or CAS or comprehension aiding supplementation is an intervention put in place to make the input comprehensible while you are delivering it orally. So while you are speaking to your students at a slower pace, using short sentences, appropriate pausing, repeating words, rephrasing words, you can apply this supplementation so that they understand more. Okay is the way in which the new words are presented when you are talking to your students. Okay. Okay, so now let's get into what some of this looks like. So a story listening. So can we talk through the process of story listening and in a way where if teachers haven't done it before and they want to try it out tomorrow, (laughs) what is this process going to look like in the classroom? So you want your students 
to understand what you are saying. This is really important. You are using a story that you have and you are telling the story to the students and as you are speaking to them, you are supplementing or supporting what you say orally so that they have a higher chance of comprehending what you say. And therefore, at the same time, they are processing the language and developing an image of the language. That is the core idea. So first, you are speaking at a slower pace, using short sentences, appropriate pausing, repeating, rephrasing, and you are telling a story that has a clear content that is at level. So your story has the potential to be comprehended by your students. Okay, mm -hmm. that's really important. And mm -hmm. as you are telling the story, you are going to use the board and apply supplementation or support as you are doing. So CAS is the nonverbal and verbal support we put in place to help students to make sense of the input they are listening to, they are processing. Mm -hmm. And so nonverbal, because we use drawings, we write the new words on the board. We translate these words orally or on the board. We use our body language, facial expressions, and we also establish relationships with words the students already know. All this is happening as you are telling the story. Mm -hmm. So this is different than, say, a TPRS story where students are offering details and suggestions to help co-create the story. In a story listening methodology, they are not part of the story creation. Their goal is to understand it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. In story listening, there is no interaction. The teacher is pushing extensive amounts of input. Mm -hmm. So it is a, is a method that is working on the on receptive skills solely. It, it's mostly an interpretive activity. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so the student is processing huge amounts of input in the same time where other students are interacting. So when you are delivering story listening, you are not checking comprehension orally. You would need to establish a comprehension check routine, which then creates a pause, and therefore you are delivering less comprehensible input. So mm -hmm. I would say that it's like a continuum. It doesn't mean that I don't do it. I, I do it all the time when I see that attention is going down or the students are tired or I monitor signs of fatigue, of inattention. I will stop and check for comprehension and mm -hmm. make sure that some things are indeed comprehended. How long would this process go on? Well, the method in a typical lesson or in a typical year, that would be the so in a an individual story that you're telling, where you're using the comprehension aiding supplementation and telling the story and students are getting to the point of understanding it, comprehending it, how long is that? I'm looking at the attention of students and how long should we expect students to be able to have their focused attention on the story when there's not interaction happening? The answer to this question depends on the level. 
If you are working with total beginners, the first time you tell a story, perhaps you can expect that your students will be able to listen without being restless for 10 to 15 minutes. The more compelling the story is, the more focused and engaged in the listening the students will be. So as you are telling stories day in and day out, students develop what I would call a listening stamina. Mm -hmm. And they are able to listen more and more. For example, in a typical year with total beginners with 100 hours in the year, I have at the end of the year students who can listen, just listen for 45 minutes without growing restless. When I work with advanced students, advanced students can listen for 30 minutes, 45, even an hour without growing restless. Now, the problem is not so much the students than the expectations of how learning looks like. Because they compare learning a language to their experience of learning other subjects that they learn by themselves, through projects, being really active, teaching themselves by exploration. And so they come to a space where they are just required to listen. And so there is a clash of expectations. Why learning? looks so different in this space than in math or chemistry or another space. You also, as a teacher, if you are a full, full-time, 100% story-listening practitioner, you will have to deal with the expectation of your colleagues who are not trained in the method or who do not know anything about language acquisition and the administrators who are hoping to see both receptive and productive skills at play during a one period of teaching. Mm -hmm. That's one of the challenges of using story listening in school is that the expectation that the students need to engage in writing and speaking activities. Okay. So I am now putting my teacher hat on for sure, because I, I I have all my logistics questions. So I'm thinking if I want to try this in my classroom tomorrow, I'm sure there are teachers listening with similar questions. So my, my first question was the how long. So now I thank you for that. And so when you're using a story, I would imagine with the beginner levels, the earlier learners, that it's a contained story within that time where you're telling the story. But as you have more advanced students, is it a continuous story where you'll continue with the story tomorrow and perhaps the next day? Or are you starting a new story each time you do this process? I grab a easy novel or a graded reader that is... Written in chapters. So it's a story that continues. I really like that. It's mm -hmm. a story that continues because it fits the need to know what happened next. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So uh, the story is contained in one chapter, but the story continues. So the students want to know what happened next. I take the book. I know that the book is at level. I know that the book has the potential to be comprehensible. I work. I read the story several times. I prepare a prompter. So a prompter is a list of words that I am going to use when I am telling the story. Those are the words I need to hit either orally or on the board, and I will guide the telling. And I start telling the story using CAS, so using the board and nonverbal and verbal supplementation to tell the story. And when I do that, the students read the story. The next time I meet them, I do that and so forth until we finish the book. Mm-hmm. And in a typical year, for example, if I see students only once a week, I will read three books okay. with them, okay. total beginners. Mm-hmm. Now, the more proficient the students are, the faster I will speak, the less cas I will apply because I can use synonyms either orally on the board, I will use less translations less drawings, so I can increase the amount of input they receive. And I often do one story. I mean, they listen for, let's say, 45 minutes Mm -hmm. and I read the story. I have self-contained stories. Mm -hmm. I do it too with traditional books. Mm -hmm. For example, I have been in, in situations or in schools where I had to teach with traditional books. I take one of the readings of the book And I use story listening as a method to deliver or build a bridge so that the students can then read the text without deciphering. Okay. So in looking at this process and where the students are on the receptive end, their job is to take comprehensible input and get it to being comprehended. So... I am thinking now again, I want to do this in my classroom. If I want to try this out, my question next is what comes next? So I guess there are two answers. Either you have total freedom to apply the method by the book. And therefore, what happens next is nothing. You tell another story. So from a pure story listening perspective, you tell another story and another story and another story. So you listen and read, listen and read, listen and read, listen and read until the students acquire or develop a intermediate high competence. In a more eclectic space, after the story, especially in schools, after the story, you can do post-reading activities that involve some form of writing that is appropriate for the level of proficiency of the students and speaking activities that are appropriate to the level of proficiency of the students. There are two teachers, Cécile Lenné and Mm -hmm. Megan Hayes. They developed three beautiful infographics called What Happens After the Story. And Mm -hmm. they provide many pathways for those teachers who cannot just tell a story. I had Cecile on the podcast last year. 
She's wonderful. Thank you for the shout out to Cecile. Are you getting to a point where there is interpersonal speaking, where there is any speaking at all? So I'm wondering how you bring those skills in with a very to the letter comprehensible input that we don't do forced output, that it's when students are ready to speak, it comes out. So I think that's probably the answer you're going to give that you it's when they're ready to speak. Or are you setting up situations where students are speaking and writing before they make the choice to do that? There is a difference between what is expected to do in story listening by the book and mm -hmm. what, as a practitioner in a school where you are observed for quality and you are accountable for grades and assessment you need to do, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So by the book, nothing. Mm -hmm. you, you let the acquisition process unfold. Now, when you work in schools, I would say it's a different take. Mm -hmm. So what I do, and this is not story listening by the book, this is just me as a practitioner of the method for the last six, seven years. I do an intervention where I tell the story, we read the story, and then we do a post-reading activity. Mm -hmm. A post-reading activity will then develop during a given year from I read and I draw, I read and play with words, I read and lift words to make sentences, to writing summaries in the target language, to writing more summaries, longer summaries in the mm -hmm. same amount of time. So when my students over a year they develop the, uh, the ability to write summaries in the target language after the story. Right. And then I start about the six months into the intervention. My students are writing already summaries in their target language. And I get by the end of the year, first year of language, and I have conducted in New Zealand to maintain your teaching certificate alive. You have to do an action research every year. Mm -hmm. So I have done many research over the year on story listening, gathering mm -hmm. student voice, exemplars of students' proficiency, mm -hmm. assessing students after the intervention. So by the end of one year of intervention, I have students who are able to write around seven to 900 words in 15 minutes in the target language, which is wow. huge. Mm -hmm. So when we get to the second year, then I up the level of interaction about the story because the students can already respond to me. And we start using more retelling, orally retelling between mm -hmm. students or the students with me until eventually it becomes just a conversation around mm -hmm. the third year mark. When I got to New Zealand, I started using story listening in 2016. I arrived in New Zealand in 2017 and I started with the class of year 11 Spanish. The students didn't even know past tense. So I did an intervention of story listening only. And after one year, one of the students in the class sat the prestigious scholarship exam one year in advance of the time when he had to sit the exam. 
and he was selected as the first student in the country and he never had a speaking class, a writing class. It was just a story listening diet for one year. It's wow. really powerful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So well, if I hadn't seen it at work, I wouldn't have believed it. And so for teachers listening to our discussion about this, is this something that they can try doing as a part of their teaching? Or do you have to make it everything that you do for it to be effective? Like talking about that student, it was the every class was like that to create that. And I know that most teachers that are listening are not gifted with that flexibility of being able to do that. A lot of times they they have to give grades, they have to do things by the communication modes. So is there a place for doing story listening as a contained activity, as well as doing other things in the classroom? Totally. Mm-hmm. Plus, it is a very easy method to learn. So every time that you have a text, regardless of the class, every time that you have a text in front of you, you say to yourself, I'm going to get through to this text via story listening. So you need a couple of things. You need to learn how to make a prompter. Mm-hmm. And to you need to learn how to provide comprehensible input orally. And three, you need to know how to apply CAS. Mm-hmm. But the three things are not very difficult to learn. Mm-hmm. And then you grab your text, you prepare the prompter, you deliver it orally using CAS, using your board, and then you continue with the rest of your intervention, your students mm-hmm. read. Now, when your students will read, you will see like, hey, They can understand this reading without using dictionaries, without deciphering, making inference or anything. They they can just understand this. Mm -hmm. So, great. And you own... The cherry on the cake is that you work on their listening skills as Mm -hmm. a preparation to reading. Okay. So, you do the double of input, which is great. Okay. Any teacher can use it regardless of the method they used to teach. Okay. Thank you for that clarification, because I know that a lot of teachers listening are saying, oh, those sound like great results, but I'm not able to do just that. So thank you for giving that clarification of how it can be worked into other classrooms. By using an intervention with the story listening pre-reading, the students get to the reading with higher level of confidence. Mm-hmm. Because they have been already exposed to those words and they, mm-hmm. they can read them. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I would like to know where you continue to draw your inspiration from as a teacher, as an author. Where do you pull your inspiration from? As a writer, I tend to write about the underdog. So I have written books about gender transition about disabilities, about fears, bereavement, about losing one's family, losing faith and hope. Mm-hmm. Those big themes are the ones that speak to me when I am writing. So many of these themes are inspired by real life situations of my own children and students I encounter. For example, in a book that is going to come out in February, 
is a book about an autistic child, a child in the autistic spectrum disorder who cannot deal with extreme noises. Mm-hmm. And I had that experience in my class and I have to make lots of modification and adjustments so that this child could learn. Mm-hmm. So the story of that particular book is about a, a child who cannot deal with noises, but has a great idea of what his future, her future in this case, is looking like. And she will going to try to get there, even if she's different. So mm-hmm. I would say that every encounter as a teacher with a child is a source of inspiration for me. As we end our conversations on my podcast episodes, I like to play this little game of this or that. It makes things a little lighter because we get into a lot of the specifics with teaching. And so this little game is just called this or that. And I give you two choices and you choose one and maybe tell us why. And it will give us a little more insight into you. You up for it? Yes, yes. Okay. All right. So the first one is, I'm not sure what the word is in Australia or New Zealand. We call it takeout food in the United States. Food. What do you call it in New Zealand or Australia? Takeaway. Okay. So do you prefer takeaway or sit down in a restaurant? Sit down in a restaurant. Okay. Yes. Okay. No cleaning dishes afterwards. <laughs> okay. Oh, good reason why. Good reason why. Okay. The next one. Do you prefer, if you're playing games with friends or family, do you prefer a board game where you're all focused on a board or a card game? Card games. I have the chance to live with a person who is a <laughs> game collector. And wow. Has Around 350 different games. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And so we are always with a game, (laughs) or game or card game. Uh So I prefer card games because they are really portable. We go for a coffee and Mm -hmm. what do you have in the bag? We have that game and we play Mm -hmm. that game. And we are for the satisfy your curiosity we play lots of mtg magic the gathering oh okay excellent and the last question is if you have the choice would you go to the beach or to the mountains oh beach (laughs) i love water i love i love water Right. So I, if you go to the beach, you're going in the water. You're not just yes, staying yes, on the beach. Regardless of the temperature. <laughs> I am a sea swimmer and I can swim by 10 degrees, 5 degrees. Wow. Because it's really uh, New Zealand waters are really cold. So mm-hmm. I, when we lived by the sea, I used to go and swim every morning, regardless of the season. So wow. Okay. So I am sure that there are teachers listening that are intrigued about story listening and intrigued about the books and stories that you write. So how can teachers be connecting with you, reaching out to you, finding your materials? How can they be doing that? Well, if you want to reach me, 
you can go to margaritaperezgarcia.com and there is a contact form. You can read about the books I write or the conference or webinars, workshops I give to. So that's really easy. You can follow me on Facebook or Instagram, Mrs. Mm -hmm. Perez Garcia. You can find my books on, if you are in America, in the CPLI bookstore, Human Performance Language Books. You can also find my books in Amazon. Yeah. I will make But, sure that all of those links are in the show notes. And if you are curious about all the things we said about story <laughs> listening, you can just go to story dash listening.net which is Benico Mason's website. Read her research articles on how to make a prompter, how to apply CAS, how to apply the optimal or to present target words. You can also look for the Stories First Foundation mm -hmm. where you will find a collection of graded stories stories that you can tell and you can use tomorrow. Well, thank you for all of that incredible insight and introducing many teachers to this idea of story listening. And I always like to leave teachers with advice at the end. And I'm thinking that the advice is go and check out all those links you just mentioned if teachers want to learn more about story listening. But if there's any other advice that you would provide to teachers who are considering story listening and getting started, what might that be? The first is to build a free voluntary reading library at level full of accessible books that your students can read either at the beginning of your lesson, at the end of your lessons, or they can take home and reading. A book is an input that keeps on giving. Second is grab a comprehensible novel, an easy novel, make a prompter of the first chapter, read everything about how to provide comprehensible input and apply CAS and tell a story tomorrow to your students. Start right away. Start right yes. away tomorrow. Thank you, Margarita Perez-Garcia, for your time and insights and everything that you shared with us today. It was an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. What are your takeaways from that conversation with Margarita Perez-Garcia? Now, if story listening is new to you, perhaps you can try it out soon and see how it works with your students. We'd all like to know about that. So be sure to tweet out, put it on Instagram and tag at WL Classroom so that we can learn from each other if we're trying this out. So also be sure to check out the show notes to connect with Margarita. You'll also see the link to sign up for Talking Points, my weekly email newsletter with tips and resources for language teaching. There are also links to get in touch with me if you'd like to work together, either in person in your school or remotely. Talk to you soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to the World Language Classroom Podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss a single episode. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at WL Classroom. You can also see over 250 blog posts about language teaching at, you guessed it, wlclassroom.com.